Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome to Frau Pal. I'm your host, Odd, and I'm also sitting next to Rags. Hi. So this week, we are interviewing Mount Tushmore, who has been in roller derby for five years, and we're going to talk to her about her experience with bipolar disorder 2, which we learned in this interview that is different than bipolar disorder 1. Mm-hmm. Learning things and stuff. So many things. We talked to her about um, what her experience was like when she got diagnosed and what her treatment is now um, and her whole journey around bipolar disorder and how it's linked to her job mm-hmm. and like financial well-being. Learned lots of things. First, we're gonna we're gonna start a little slow. Um, can you tell us about yourself? Um, oh, I, uh, why? I mean, my professional career is generally in political campaigns um, and or government and or nonprofit like advocacy and program uh, administration. Uh, and right now, mm-hmm. I am in HR. And it is very counter to everything that I normally do. It's also taken over my life to the point where I haven't been playing derby. And it makes me very sad. How has your mental health been without playing derby? Because I know like for a lot of people, that's a huge coping mechanism. Yeah, um, it is hard. Um, Mainly... Derby is kind of, not even kind of, Derby is what kept me going for several years when I was in between campaign jobs. Um, Usually I would be working between June, July, and then November. Uh, And after that, trying to get a job, not really getting one until the next campaign cycle. So in that interim, Derby was really crucial because it gave me a schedule. Um, I had somewhere to be a few nights a week, um, something to do, specifically something that was active, um, and also something that I was consistently working on and toward. Uh, also, mm-hmm. if it was the one thing that got me out of the house a couple of times a week, then even better because otherwise I would just permit and I would never see anyone. And so like, how was your experience starting out with um, Derby? Because I feel like in talking, you talking about sort of that, like I have to go, like it's like somewhere where you need to be and that it does always sort of end up feeling good afterwards. Sometimes I felt like when I first started skating that it was really easy to feel overwhelmed by how challenging it was. even though I came in like knowing how to skate, not play derby, but definitely roller skate, um, I still would get so like frustrated and it was really hard for me to go to practice. 
I think that that cropped up infrequently. It usually would coincide with how my general mental health was doing. Uh, if I was in a phase where everything was frustrating or um, like kind of in the cusp of coming down from a hypomanic phase and before I like really dug deep into a depressive phase, kind of that, that in between where I still have like energy but I'm starting to like turn sour so it's just a generally like mad mood. I I really took it as like meditation. Um, it was a time when uh, usually at practice I wasn't thinking about anything else. I was purely like concentrating on what I was doing and that was really helpful because I wasn't letting outside noise and outside feelings and moods really uh, permeate my what I was doing in the moment and uh, that that kind of state actually was really really good for me Um, it would it would be like the few times that I was really crappy that I would really feel bad Um, but I had a really supportive team that made it a point especially all of the vets to be like look we all suck once upon a time (laughs) and so everyone kind of sucks and it's fine and you'll get through it just keep trying um change up figure out what you need to do um and that was one of the reasons that I took up coaching um because especially as someone who came in and out um every year because I would run away to do a campaign and then come back uh I was like perpetually kind of starting at zero um and so being able to coach people that were starting from zero at the very beginning um, and telling them, like, look, this takes time. Uh, you, The way that so-and-so does it isn't always going to work for you. So um, talk to a lot of people and figure out what works. And just having that support system of folks to just continually remind you it's okay. You're not going to be great at everything. No one is great at everything when they start. Uh, just keep plugging along and you'll get it. And that was true. I kept plugging along and I got stuff. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your experience with bipolar disorder too. So can you tell us a little bit about what that means? Sure. So most people know of regular bipolar which is the manic up and then the low depression. Right. It's the like the smooth swings. Um, well, mm-hmm. it's not even so much smooth swings. Um, and that's a, like, that's kind of another misconception because Fair. you will be in a mood for a prolonged amount of time. And that's actually mm-hmm. what distinguishes bipolar or bipolar tale. so um that's something when diagnosing it they look for they'll ask like okay so you were in this kind of state and how long were you in that state um and that really helps distinguish it um with bipolar 2 it's less it's less of the mania it's hypomania um 
so not going out and like in in manic stages like partaking in destructive behavior wildly destructive uh actually most of the time personally destructive um or uh like anything like that my the way that mine personally shows up is just mostly feeling productive and feeling social so uh when i'm in a hypomanic state that's when i clean my entire house that's when I start like doing all kinds of work that I need to do. Um, that's oddly enough when I jump on all of the dating sites and I'm like, this is when I'm going to find a boyfriend. Um, that, <laughs> is, that is my hypomanic state. Um, and then right. versus like the man, the regular like hypermania, right? That's what it hypermania is bipolar one. Yeah. And that's, and it usually like manic phases for extended periods of time where hypomanic phases are shorter, maybe like a weekish top. Um, oh, okay. So like the hypermania is hypermania yeah. is um, so it's like a little bit, it's longer, and then it's also like more intense. There's like you know those feelings of grandiosity and like. Yeah issues with impulse control that's what you're talking about yeah like i i had a friend um she has bipolar and um he once was in a a manic phase for months on end and oh, wow it, uh, it mainly showed up in that she didn't sleep or barely got any sleep um so wow yeah uh so i have never done anything near that so mine is um Maybe like a few days at most is when I'll mm-hmm. kind of have these kicks. So then on the other end, the depression is like way deeper and that's what's prolonged on the other end. Um, being mm-hmm. in very deep depression for a prolonged amount of time um, and and kind of like wallowing there for a little bit. Um, that, so that's, it's like the slope is taken down a couple notches from regular bipolar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so how did you end up getting diagnosed with bipolar too? Cause I think it feels to me like bipolar, um, disorder one might, because people, more people know about it. Maybe they are, it's easier, a little bit easier to diagnose them. So how did that look like for you? So I had originally been diagnosed with just depression um, in my mid-20s. And so that's kind of the assumption that we were working on. Um, I went through a time a few years ago where I rapid cycled. And what that is, is going through those mood phases, um, like in succession a few times. I had about a two-week phase, and I had three of them back-to-back. Um, and so if, while I was in it, I knew that, like, something was wrong. And I was like, why can't I mm-hmm. just get my act together? And it didn't make any sense. Um, and I was I was a mess for six weeks, and it's terrible. Um, but when I finally, like, when it, when it finally kind of got pieced together, 
that it did make it finally made sense. Um, what that cycle looked like was mm-hmm. perfect example. At the time, I was in grad school, so Sunday would come, and I go, I am really going to be on top of it this week. I'm going to get everything done. Uh, we're going to start that paper. It's going to be great. Go into Monday, and I'm like, yeah, killing it. Read all the things. Clean my apartment. Everything's awesome. Totally going to nail that. Uh, Tuesday, kind of the same thing. Get to Wednesday, and that's when I'd be like, mm, maybe I got it a little, like, further. Like, I've taken off more than I can chew. And that's when, like, then you get to Thursday, it starts just careening downward. And Thursday mm-hmm. and Friday, I'm, like, spiraling out of control. I hit Saturday, and that's when I hit the depression. Come into Sunday, just wallop all the way down. I'm Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, the next week, just so down, uh, suicidal thoughts, not leaving the house, not doing my schoolwork anymore. That's not getting done. Um, and now mm-hmm. I'm a week behind. Um, and then kind of starting to crawl back up um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, kind of mellow out on Saturday, hit the next Sunday. And I'm like, this is going to be my week. We're going to, we're going to get it this week. And so I did that three times right in a row. And it was hard. Mm-hmm. Up. It just, it, it felt terrible. And I was blaming myself. So I was like, why can't I get it together? Why can't I do this? There were like a couple events that I was working on that I just totally chunked them up um, and felt terrible mm-hmm. that I had let people down. Um, so it wasn't until, uh, I had a well-timed, uh, a a well-timed appointment with the person I was then seeing for care and explained what had been going on. Um, because I, I was seeing her every other week because that's what I could afford. Thank you, healthcare system. Mm -hmm. And any, (laughs) every other time that I had seen her recently, it was when I was like either in that upswing or like in in an in an okay place that it wasn't it was finally this time that I was just completely in distress and she's like wait what's going on um and I told her and she's like what okay um and that's really when we figured out what was going on um I had been like kind of suspecting that something else was going on and Mm -hmm. to to be so basic um I saw Silver Linings Playbook and seeing (laughs) Bradley Cooper's behavior I was like I kind of identify with that interesting and that's kind of what like put it in the back of my mind for a little while I was like maybe maybe this is something I have but like didn't have the full-blown mania and so that's what made me question that and then once Mm -hmm. I learned what bipolar 2 was I was like oh that makes way more sense and so can you explain maybe a little bit about how um your cycles that you're describing are how they feel for you like explain how they are different in feeling than maybe someone who's having like 
a really tough like few days or maybe like a beginning of a depressive episode. Um, and then, you know, coming out of it a little bit and then going back in. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so starting with hypomania, I mean, where that kind of shows up for me is being like very excitable and being like angry and abrasive. Um, I'll have lots of like, I'll, I'll say a lot of things in the moment that are not great. Um, and it's not until I'm reflecting a little bit later that I'm like, oh no, shouldn't have done that. Either if it's like I say something uncouth to someone or at work, I say something that I probably shouldn't have in the moment or had a reaction to something that was like, not necessarily unprofessional, but not great for the moment. Um, that is yeah, more of like the anger and excitability and then obviously getting my apartment clean. So that's always great. And that's why I always loved it because I would get things done. Um, but then also have a pretty piss poor attitude. Um, so not always. <laughs> I mean, the- you're, you're really describing me a lot of the time. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But like in a way that you're just like jumpy and on it all the time. Um, then the depression, um, especially when before I knew what was really going on, there were days where I just it it felt hard to exist. Um, it's, these were times when I was unemployed. I'd just been in my apartment for days, and it wasn't necessarily like I don't want to exist. I don't like want to be here anymore. But it was just like existing is hard and like I'm not even doing anything else I am just here and that is mentally and spiritually taxing and how did it feel once you got officially diagnosed honestly it was relieving um it was it was it was a huge relief um to know to like put into it um start to get on meds that were going to help because just antidepressants weren't. I needed some mood stabilizers as well. Um, I needed a nice little cocktail to kind of get everything under control. Um, and that's when, when I don't have those things. Actually, you know what? One of the other things that was really telling, especially before I was on anything, I just felt sick all the time and not not like nausea or anything like that like the general malaise you know what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. yeah so I yeah I felt that constantly um and it wasn't until I kind of started getting on the right meds that that went away well um I was just wondering what your pharmaceutical regimen looks like right now What's funny is it actually just got changed. I just started going to a new site, going to a woman for the first time ever, and that probably contributes to it a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. I So previously, I had been on two mood stabilizers, an antidepressant. I also had Xanax, 
and I had sleeping pills and some vitamins. Um, and so I had a mixture that I took in the morning and then a mixture that I took at night. Now it is still a couple, the mood stabilizers, um, but in different doses um, at different times and then more vitamin supplements actually. And mm-hmm. it's, I, I feel great. I'm back to feeling great. And it is, nice that I can do it with vitamins that I have access to as opposed to Mm -hmm. the big thing would be in my old regimen I had uh, Lunesta and I had Xanax both which I need to go to a psych in person and get Mm -hmm. those refilled and that wasn't always possible and so that's what would Mm -hmm. like F everything up um, and so it's yep. nice that I don't have those anymore. I don't have to rely on them anymore. And uh, it's a lot, the, the regimen is a lot more accessible. And that's mm-hmm. what's helpful. So what, um, what are some of the vitamins that you're taking now? So I am taking vitamin D. Um, I'm taking magnesium which actually I need to take that right now uh, I am on <laughs> one it's called L-theanine um, it's only found at GNC very strange but um, it's something that the site like she swore by and I feel like what it, is it? it's probably doing okay so far um, it promotes a sense of relaxation <laughs> So, okay. So more natural. I mean, if it works, it works. More natural zannies, I guess. Uh, Yeah. And then also krill oil. So I, this is something that I'm super interested in um, because I'm coming off of my um, anxiety and antidepressants um, or anxiety medication, my antidepressants. And so, um, because they're ripping up my digestive system. Um, But um, so I've been seeing like a special kind of doctor who's an MD, but um, she also like prioritizes natural um, alternatives to prescriptions. And I'm very, very intrigued by uh, using vitamins and supplements, obviously not to replace because, you know, with things like certain, um, certain mental like health disorders, Mm -hmm. you have a chemical imbalance and you need chemicals. Um, but just to sort of help, like you're saying, like make it more accessible. So I've been taking like lavender oil. Oh my God. Don't make that face. They make it in little (laughs) gel. Rax is making a gross face. Um, it's actually, it's in like little soft gel caps that you can take. They don't taste like anything. Don't make that face. And, um, and I've, and I am on the vitamin D train and I also take magnesium and I also take, uh, cause I'm vegetarian. I take flaxseed oil for omega threes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, going from, I had five prescriptions previously and now we have two, Like that's great. That's as I did on those five that I, that like I I feel great and I'm like you know what I'm on this I'm believing this I'm sticking to this this is 
significantly better. Yeah. I mean, and I get you with the accessibility. I know I'm, I was on a, um, was on Ativan. What is it called? Lorazepam. Lorazepam. Thank you. And, um, uh, and I just, I couldn't keep going to see my psychiatrist cause she's awful. And yeah. that's what <laughs> that's happened with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a different story, but it, it like finding alternatives for that because it wasn't like you're saying like it's unaccessible. And then also it can get really expensive when you have five prescriptions that you mm-hmm. have to refill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your experience like before with the psychiatrist that you mentioned wasn't bad? Like what made that relationship bad? He wasn't a good fit for me in that I didn't like his style. Um, he Like he's very old school. Um, and one of the kicks that made me mad was that he had a penchant for interrupting me um he would ask me yeah yeah he would ask me a question and I would start to answer it and I would take I would take my time answering it because I wanted to make sure that I was giving a both a truthful answer um and an accurate answer I didn't want to just be like spewing things out and so I would start talking and he would just interrupt me, usually with something stupid, too. And I was just like, okay, I can't deal with this. Um, and I tried breaking up with him, but it was on a day that I was uh, hitting a hypomanic phase. And I was, like, mm-hmm. hysterical. Um, and uh, he was like, I don't, like, I can't in good conscience, like, let this happen. Which, totally understandable, that is actually very responsible of him as a healthcare provider. Um, but the the alternative was, he was like, I can't just keep giving you scripts. You do need to come see me. And if it's not on an individual basis, then I need you to come to one of my group therapy sessions, um, mm-hmm. which I had been like very much against. But at that point, I was me like, too. well, so let's try this. Um, and really, if it was like being fully covered by my health care, that would be one thing. But I was paying $100 to be in a room with a bunch of people for an hour where I usually did not get to talk about what was going on with me. And I was like, well, this mm-hmm. is bullshit. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, this is crazy. Which, And I mean, like, I don't mean that to be a reflection on group therapy itself because I actually really no, did no, no. I really did enjoy the group and actually like I would pop back in just to say hey to all of them um, but uh, it, it just was not conducive for me like I needed to talk out like my shit with someone um, so oh, yeah that's how I am I'm very selfish in therapy I'm like I want this to be about me spending my money for me exactly so I don't want to like listen to your bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's fair. Time is money, yo. And I was um, spending, spending like an hour and right. a half every week and like for nothing. 
like I could have done this with my girlfriends and they would have listened to me, bitch. So <laughs> I think so uh, actually on the way um, to the studio today, Rags and I were talking about my psychiatrist who is the worst. Um, and she weighed me at my last appointment, <clears throat> which is something that I am. Um, oh, I didn't tell you this. Maybe I told my therapist this morning. Just mixed you up with my therapist. Sorry, it's okay. <laughs> We're basically the same person. Uh, so I was talking to my I was talking to my therapist this morning, and my psychiatrist at my last appointment weighed me, which you had the appropriate response, which is like should be like you don't do that. Um, and also we've discussed at nausea my issues around like being weighed. My anxiety like goes into like control mode when I see numbers and I. Anyways, it makes me really uncomfortable. And then not only did she weigh me, but she read the numbers to me. Which I think you did tell me about Okay, good. She read the numbers to me and then goes, you weigh seven pounds more than you did last time. you did tell me about this. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And her response was, don't get obsessed with it. I was like, okay. You're a great psychiatrist. Oh my God. You were telling me this like just after it happened. Last oh yeah, week. I was super pissed. As you should be. That's yeah. absurd. And I don't know if you guys have or and I also don't totally know your stories, but like I feel like any time that I start with any mental health professional, they like automatically try and like speak through your past to like right. see if there's some trauma back there and it's like Nope, I grew up very well, very loving parents, like nothing terrible happened to me. And that's why I feel so affected because I don't know why I feel terrible. And like, yeah, that, mm-hmm. like that's where it comes from. But I, I think what you just said also is like super important because it's like, I remember when I told my mom that I had depression and she's like, what did I do wrong? And I'm like, like you could be, you could have the best upbringing ever you can have the most perfect textbook upbringing and still have a mental illness mm-hmm. it's not a, a a lack of anything other than like chemistry and you know mm-hmm. hormones or whatever and like you just said it yourself you had a great upbringing like you know th- you, there was no trauma but you still have this like that's that's not any shortcomings on your parents mm-hmm. Or anything. It's just your body chemistry. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Unless you want to b- blame your parents for like, you know, your genetics or something. <laughs> uh, nah. That's fine. Um, they can, they're, they're good. They've actually, I mean, they have been incredibly supportive. Um, and I can't thank them enough ever. Um, especially because, I mean, one of, one of my bad traits um, it crops up in but in laziness uh, on the back end when I'm depressed, I shouldn't say laziness, but it crops up on the back end in depression is I'm terrible with money. Um, and that is also something that did not come from my upbringing because both of my parents are very good with their money and my brother is very good with his money and all of them have bailed me out um, at many many times in my adulthood mm-hmm. um and so i am so thoroughly thankful for them for that support um because 
it is it it has kept me afloat so much more uh than if I had to spend for myself and I'm the type of person that I wanted to spend for myself and I tried very hard and then that just made me even more stressed out I'm one of those people Mm -hmm. that will just put things off and will ignore things until then it is a very expensive problem and I I get out of my control and I do need that help so I can stay afloat um, and it is embarrassing and I hate it and I try to work past it but I also have to give myself um, I have to like give myself grace um, and I can't I can't like totally write it off as like oh it's mental health I don't have to like this is my disease I la di da I have to take ownership of it but then also give myself that room of like this is why this is happening it's not any like moral uh, misgiving about yourself Um, it, it happens this is part of it and all you can do is try and figure out the tools that are going to keep you from thinking yourself further and further. Yeah, and I think that's like a super fine line to figure out. Mm-hmm. Like I know for me, my anxiety is, you know, can make it feel like really overwhelming. And then I just sort of, I can't concentrate on it. And then I like walk away. <laughs> I'm like, I'll just yep. wait for this fire to burn out before I deal with it. <laughs> And obviously, especially with finances, like you're talking about, like, that's not the appropriate approach at all. Yeah. So now that you've received your diagnosis and you you know what's going on, do you do you look back to, like, your past and you, you see, like, where it reared its ugly head and you're like, ah, that makes sense now? Oh, my God. All the time. Um, and especially, so I had a really tough year in 2008 um, for many, many reasons. And I can think of different areas, especially, so I said, like, the anger cropping up with the hypomania. Oh, my gosh. I There were so many times when I was, like, I, I did something. I lashed out out of nowhere, um, and it was completely inappropriate. Um, and I always recognized it, at least in, in the moment, I would then recognize that was terrible. Um, I need to rectify this. Uh, what, what was bad was that I had grown up with it, with the example from my dad that he would do the same thing. He would like lash out a little bit. And instead of saying sorry, he would try to diffuse the situation with my mom. It would be in a very sweet tone, like a very, like, embarrassed and forgiving tone, like tell her that he loves her. Um, and with me, he would crack a joke. Um, and so that's what I did um, until mm-hmm. I got older and realized that is not necessarily the best thing to do. Um, I had also, like, just come to accept it about my dad. And there was one day that he actually did like straight out apologized to me and I was floored I, I didn't even know what to do because I had already 
like accepted what he freaked out about and like moved on with life. Um, especially because it, if I had done something stupid and like he was totally with, he was totally right in saying something to me. Um, so yeah, that like realizing that and remembering those moments, I'm like, ah, yes, that was that kind of rearing its ugly head. Um, when I, even then, even then, I didn't even know that I had any type of mental illness. Um, so yes, as I'm, as I've moved through life, I've kind of realized, especially any of those times that I snapped at people out of nowhere and then was like, oh, that was bad. Sorry. Uh, that was, that was definitely that trying to break through. Thank you so much for doing this. We really appreciated finally sitting down and talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It really was a pleasure. So thanks for listening to our interview with Mount Tushmore. We hope that you learned something. Um, if not, you might have learned that you're a hypochondriac because you're like questioning your own well-being at this stage because you might have anxiety and want to do all the things at once too and then crash and burn. But talk to a therapist first before you decide anything. Yeah, talk to a therapist before you make any life-altering decisions. <laughs> It's like, why, why, this is just like, let's end on really good life advice. <laughs> Always talk to a therapist. Don't take any other advice from us except talk to a therapist. You can find us on the Facebooks and the Instagrams at Brow Pow Podcast. You can send us love notes and pictures of turtles and guinea pigs at browpowpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, friends, don't, don't be a dick. dick.